All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the PSG Podcast. It is your girl, Ebony. And before we begin, let's do a little housekeeping. Um, please make sure you follow me on all social media platforms at the professional homegirl, um, at the PhD podcast and at Ebony Beauty. Please make sure you visit my websites at www.theprofessionalhomegirl.com and at ebonybeauty.com. And for those of you that don't know how to spell my name, it is E-B-O-N-E. And last but not least, make sure you rate and review this podcast the phd podcast of course on all major streaming podcast platforms this episode is sponsored by ebony beauty so please make sure you use your code phg10 to receive some coins off and please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous so let's begin um last week we did part one of i was addicted to drugs and this is part two so enjoy guys so let's talk about your experiences with drugs Walk us through a time where um, you was using certain drugs. Well, what do you mean by that? Because I didn't know. So when I first discovered your page, I thought it was just meth. But then earlier you said that it was for meth. For meth? Is it, what do you mean? Does it not say your, I think it says in your bio like the um roman numerals oh iv iv child like intravenous <laughs> like shooting up oh yeah wow so were you able to like function when you was doing all these drugs oh yeah i was functioning i was going to the club almost every night i was traveling i was doing everything and the crazy thing about it is you know i kind of hid from my family um just I don't even know I can't even remember if I went around for holidays I feel like I just used to make excuses and Mm -hmm. but people who knew me like I never looked like real dirty I always like kept myself up so people have this negative connotation of drug addicts that they're always filthy and bummy looking I hid it so well but how did you Um, hit it so well 
because I still had my mind. Like I, mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't really lose my mind until I got sober. Like right as I was having a nervous breakdown, that's when I like I feel like I went off the deep end, and that's what helped me to get sober. Because when your mind and everything doesn't connect anymore, like I forgot where I lived, I was really starting to go crazy. Oh but wow! While I was doing drugs, I was perfectly fine. I mean. I don't remember being real depressed. I just was high all the time. That's all I wanted. It didn't matter what drug it was. I was working in um, how the meth got into my life. I was working in a smoke shop and some guy came into the store and he was looking at meth pipes. And so I was like, well, what is that for? And like being talking and just wanting to know more. And he was like, well, why don't you come and see? So I went to the stranger's house. Yes. And there was a girl that was there with her baby and we were all smoking and snorting meth. This is my first time. Wow. And like she was walking outside barefoot talking about, you know, the FBI is after her and all this stuff. And like, it didn't even dawn on me. Like, you don't want to go down this road. And eventually I started shooting up as well. And that is like, when you start sticking a needle in your arm, that's like when it's almost like there's no going back. It's very rare that people make it out of that, but it is possible. It it really is. You know, you mentioned a comment you just said about like the negative um, connotation with like being addicted to drugs. What do you think of some other negative connotations people have? Because that is a good one. People think that since you, just because you're addicted to drugs, that you're dirty, you can't keep your, your uh, appearance up. Oh, another one would be um, thinking that we're all thieves. Oh, yeah. Um, people love to- saying that, man. Oh, yeah, they they love to think that you're a thief. I used to feel the same way about, you know, because I, I used to sell crack. So when they would come to me, I would look at them like they were dirty because, you know, it's just that's just the way that it is in the streets. And you kind of have to, you know, keep yourself separated. So now, especially in the African-American community, that was the hardest drug to admit me doing out of everything I've done more than prostitution, more than being gang raped everything else like it was nothing for me to admit but basically like a crack quote unquote crackhead Mm -hmm. that has been the most difficult thing to admit Um, why is it and i mean because i feel personally from the way that i used to be very judgmental towards people that use crack Mm -hmm. um and having used it's almost to the point like you're so it's like a a level of desperation that I cannot put into words Mm. Um, because when you smoke crack it's almost like you go to another level of high like you could snort cocaine Mm -hmm. you can smoke cocaine but when it turns into the baking soda and all the the cooking and and whatever chemical process it goes through it is like you're in the moon and so when you you get your last hit it's like you just want to be high like as soon as it starts to fade away you're like you just want more and it's never enough it's never enough there were days that I would be crawling on the floor looking in the carpet for pieces of crack that I thought that I dropped but really if you ever see some people walking down the street like 
you know, it could be any neighborhood, but especially in really drug porn areas, if you see them looking down at the ground, they're looking for lot, it. They're looking a, a lot of times. I mean, not to be judgmental, but I, I know from experience, they're looking for something because in your mind, you're thinking like, I know there's something here and there's not. So how did you how did you get into prostitution? Did you get into it because you were trying to get more drugs? Prostitution actually started before I really got deep into drugs. Oh, was it after um, you were stripping? No, stripping came later too. I, um, Yo, you have one hell of a life, man. I don't. If nobody don't get inspired from your story and to keep going, I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> you know. Because I even feel like just talking to you and like, it's just like when I talk to certain people and you was one of them or you are one of them, I just like, how can I complain about certain things? And like, I mean, I've been through a lot as well, but like you definitely been through a lot and to see where you're at now, which we're going to talk about later. It's just like, it's really amazing. Thank you. It really is. So um, the prostitution that actually started when I was in high school. Um, I, when I ran away from home, my family was looking for me. I was on missing posters the whole nine. Oh, um, wow. And I ended up staying with this woman. And I don't even remember how I got hooked up with her. But she was a stripper. And she had this guy that would come over. And we would all have sex. And I didn't realize that that's how she was basically making money off of me. And I was maybe 15 or 16 years old. Wow. And so um, I remember walking in one of like a really like ghetto area and I didn't even realize at the time all the risky things I was doing now I realize it but there was this guy and he was just like come here and then like we I sold myself for like a hundred dollars Wow! and I was like 16 years old and we were like in somebody's garage somewhere and that was the first time I ever prostituted at 16 years old and I had I have a family like I was just so lost and sometimes I wonder you know not if I was possessed but I just feel like the devil had a hold of my life everything I was doing was just I still to this day don't understand it and speaking with you prior is when I really realized like I I really don't have an answer why other than to be able to have give people hope that's the only thing yeah I could, that's the only explanation because I, I feel like you're a very spiritual person because this is not your first time saying how you felt like the devil had a hold on you yeah when I was um younger and even now um I believe that I started using drugs because I would have dreams and visions and things that would come true mm. and it really scared me and so, um, you know, that's when the marijuana started. What type of dreams? Like somebody passing away or something like crazy happening? Well, most recently, um, I know back then, I, I don't know if I told you, but um, about being like held down on the couch mm-hmm. and I felt something like on my chest and on my stomach and I couldn't breathe, but there was nothing there. Um, I dreamt of my grandmother a lot, but especially now, well, actually, you know what? When I was getting high, one of the most profound dreams, and it's crazy because as much as I tried to escape life, I feel like God still came to me, and mm. especially in my dreams. And I remember I was smoking crack, like hardcore, 
and um I went and I sat in the restroom and I just started rocking and holding myself and like rocking and hugging myself and when I went to sleep I had a dream that I was walking down one of the streets where I live under a freeway and I I was walking towards a woman and the woman as she got closer I realized she was me but Mm. like I was dirty and old and wrinkled and filthy and it was almost like God was saying like this is where you're going if you don't stop. Wow. And then recently, recently I was at a friend's house and um, I remember she told me that her uncle would come there to spend the night because he had diabetes and like a few health issues. But one night I went to sleep there and I woke, I had like a horrible dream. And honestly, I don't even remember what the dream was. I just know it was demonic and I woke up sweating and like frightened and terrified and I woke my friend up and I started shaking her and I was like something is wrong in your house like I was like I don't oh, know what wow. it is I can't explain it like I don't know but something is wrong I can't go back to sleep and I'm like a very strong person to the point where I'm not gonna cry I'm not gonna show you I'm scared and so she was like what is wrong yeah with you? I was like, I don't you know. felt that energy mm-hmm. so I went back to sleep I prayed it I went back to sleep and when I woke up in the morning I was, it was almost like I was drunk and I don't drink or do anything. And she's like, what's wrong with you? I almost ran into the mailbox. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. No, no one drugged me. But as we were leaving, I told her, I was like, something is wrong in your house. There's something not right. You need to bless your house. And I've never in my life said, bless your house. Like, I've Mm. never blessed the house, never said it. I was like, something is wrong in your house. You need to bless your house. There's something spiritually wrong. Tell me why about lunchtime that day she called me to tell me that her uncle passed away in the middle of the night. Wow. That's the type of stuff that was happening to me as a teenager and it scared me to death. And I really believe that was the start of drugs. Wow. Why do you feel like you didn't embrace it though? Because I feel like... Well, I mean, it's scary. To me, it was very scary. As a teenager, when you don't have anyone that's like, you know... I mean, who are you going to tell? Like, people are going to think you're crazy. Who's going to believe me? That's how I felt. Like, who would even believe me? Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Wait, so were you using drugs, like, every day? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yes, from like 12 years old on yeah. up to 23. And I would even be around my parents sometimes and they wouldn't know that I was high. Wow. And I think one of the most profound moments to me um, was standing in front of a mirror. I think. Um, and I feel like I you have through- such a good memory because I, I feel like when you see these documentaries and you see people who've been on drugs and stuff, they really they have memory loss. But I feel like with you, you're very vivid with certain things. That That is very true, but it's like it's selective. And and another thing, um, when I was staying with one of my first boyfriends, I went to sleep one night and I woke up and it's almost like all the memories that I had blocked out, even things where I was blacked out and not even awake. It's like I had visions and I started remembering people's names that I had slept with like places I had been and forgotten about like all this crazy stuff and all these memories rushed back to me that Mm. I don't even know where they came from but 
I can tell you that I do have like the only thing that I could think of is I do have memory loss, but it's like short term. Like whenever I do my my radio shows, Mm -hmm. I have to like make sure that I have things written down. Like I can freestyle, but for me to remember to touch certain key points, I do know that that is like my memory was affected. Wow. Yeah, but really something that I really haven't spoken about that I really think people need to know and I'm going to try to say it without crying. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of K2 or that. Yes, yes, girl. I had a friend or someone I was very close to and this was almost when I, whenever I was about to, like I had stopped smoking crack I had, you know, I think maybe I was still popping pills and drinking a lot. Like, I drank a lot towards the end before I got sober. But they offered me to smoke, and they offered me all the time, and I'd never been a pot. Explain what K2 is. I know K2. I I know it is, but for those who don't know what it is. K2 is basically, they call it potpourri, and I'm pretty sure it's legal now. Which um, is scary. Yes, yes, but it's kind of like the bath salts where it's chemically engineered and created, and a lot of people use it because it gets you high like marijuana, but it won't you won't pop dirty or take a drug test and fail because it's not marijuana. Oh, I didn't but know that thing, part. Yeah, so that's why a lot of people started using it, but it looks like potpourri, but what they do is they spray chemicals on it and so it's not weed, so they, but they it lace feels it. like weed. They lace it. And this, you could have gotten in, in smoke shots. It was really popular with the kids. And Which is so sad. for me personally, <laughs> I had never done it before. So the first time I did it, I was sitting on the couch. And I took a hit. And then I got up off the couch. And I started, I went outside. And I felt like I couldn't breathe. And then I went inside the house. And then I laid on the bed. And then I started taking all my clothes off. And then I went in the shower with some of my clothes still on. And, like, I swear to you, from that moment, I was never the same. Like, even to this day. And I think that that's a huge reason why I started to have really bad anxiety, horrible panic attacks, why I didn't fly for seven years. I got claustrophobia. I, and I promise you, it is that all the drugs I've done in my life, I feel like I had control of myself. Like, of course, I was the drugs were controlling me, but my mind, that K2, it messed me up. Even to this day, like, I have to make a conscious effort. Like, the anxiety and stuff, like, it can, I don't like to say it can come back, but I can say that God saved me because I, I, I wanted to die because... That's like the most horrible. I was scared to go home. Every, I mean, it was so bad, and that's why I think, um, that's why I did that post on my page about K two because yeah, you definitely a made a comment. People, you say you you're thankful that you didn't get hooked to that, or you wasn't using yes, that. And a a lot of people use it, and the 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 fear that I have for people, and why I advocate for addiction. Is because people can be so like senseless. Um, because if you smoke a blunt with somebody, which is you know a, a cigar with weed inside of it, mm-hmm. 
you don't know what they put in it. Yeah. Like a lot of people just go hang out with Yo, true story. When I was in college, you know, you in college, you smoke here and there or whatever. It was this guy, he smoked with somebody and at this point, you know, people think you're cool. You can smoke with whoever. Yo, Mm -hmm. they laced his shit and that man has never been the same. And when I tell you his, once his brothers and his friends found out who did it, it was a wrap. I was like, Jesus. I was like, yo, you have to really be careful who you like do things with because people are very vile. People are very foul, and I know someone that was smoking that K2 stuff a lot, and he ended up being homeless. Like, he literally lost his mind. Like, if that did that to me from one time, I can't imagine somebody who just continuously smoked it. And he died. Wow. He was sleeping out on the street. His mother passed away. He was so depressed. And he was sleeping out on the streets with all the other homeless people by a church. And some guy that was on meth came up to him and was like, give me a bite of your sandwich. And he was like, no. And this boy was maybe like 19, 20 years old. And the the guy on meth killed him. Wow. Yep. Well, I know because I'm in New York. So when I go to Harlem every now and then, yo, you you can tell like the ones, the people that's on K2, they look like zombies. Yeah, like is and but I also feel like, do you think that a lot of this stuff is done in our neighborhoods? What do you mean? What stuff? People getting high? I mean, I know everybody gets high, but I just feel like, let's say in New York, there's a lot of smoke shops, right? And I feel mm-hmm. like now since K two is legal, I feel like all the drugs that are legal is in the smoke shops. It's in the hood. They're everywhere. It's everywhere. And, and maybe because I'm just tired of seeing my people on drugs, man. I'm tired of seeing everybody on drugs, but the thing that's really messed up to me is when it was, you know, Reaganomics, Reaganomics in the 80s, and it was the black people, the black community, mm-hmm. you know, losing their families, living in poverty, overdosing, yeah, like being on crack. It was, you know, it's the negative connotation. It's, you know, oh, you know, it's a, it's a war on drugs. But now that you know, a lot of the Caucasians and other demographics are getting on those opioids, you know, from pain mm. and then you know, turning to heroin. Now it's like addiction is a disease. <laughs> now, now it's a disease. Right. Now we're going to put all this money towards, you know, fighting this this battle and like kind of coddling people. Because when the brown people was doing it, it wasn't a problem. It wasn't it was a disease. No exactly. It was no mercy. That's what exactly. I mean. Like, that's I feel like like now all of a sudden we need to we need to send help because people are sick. It's a disease. We like no, have that same injury with us as well. Yeah. So you spoke about rehab. Why do you think it took you so many times to like for the last time for you to be like, okay, I'm gonna stick it through? Like, do you um, think that the rehabs before you wasn't ready to receive it? Or do you think that the places you was at wasn't what you needed? I believe People change when they change. Yeah. It's not about being ready. It's not about bad circumstances. There's no rock bottom. Um, but I think that I just, I was okay with my life. I, I was never one that was like, oh my God, I hate my life. I can't believe what I'm doing. I was so lost and gone that that was just my life. And I eat, there was even one time that I was smoking with one of the drug dealers, the, the drug dealer that actually got me to try crack. 
And I know why, because he wanted to use me. It was an older man. I think I was maybe 19 years old. And there was How a old time, was he? Maybe like 50. Girl. Yes. Wow. And so we were all sitting around the table. Fucking disgusting. Yes, we were all getting high. And it was a group of us. And most of them were older. Some were younger. And he was like, you don't even belong here. Like, I used to hear that all the time. Like, why are you doing this? Like, there's always, there's something like an anointing where people always would be like, why are you doing this with your life? Like, we could just tell, like, you don't belong. Mm. Um, And in rehab, I, you know, I learned so much about getting high in jail, incarcerated, and in rehab. I learned how to get high on air conditioners. What? You know, Yes. Yo, you know that singer we were... from that group died because of that. I can't think of the name of the group, but he died because he got high on the air conditioner. And I'm like, how can you get high on the air conditioner? But it's something in it, right? It's the Freon. The Freon. That's what it is. Yeah. Wow. We would take we would go in our apartments and take like a big garbage bag. And when we were in rehab, that's where I learned it. And fill up the garbage bag with all the Freon and inhale it. And it's like you're like high as a kite you're good. really but you, yeah but you pass out and a lot of times like one of my friends busts his head open because you pass out but it gets you high I learned that in rehab when I was in, in AA and NA the few times that I went I was just thinking about leaving to go get high and like in jail and in mental hospitals and treatment centers that I was in I got so high because they just want to dope you up I was a ward of the state with the foster children and other children that were, you know, juveniles. I I left um, the treatment center for bulimia and depression, all these things they diagnosed me with. And I left with like a, a garb or uh, like a sh- grocery bag full of psychotropics, Xanax, Depakote, Trazodone. Like I was so doped up. Like, wow. And you were still you functioning. Know. I was still functioning until I wasn't functioning. Yeah. But how has how has drugs in the past or being addicted to like so many stuff has it affected your health now? You know, I don't like to go to the doctor because it's almost like when I got sober, I became drug phobic. Like mm. I don't drink caffeine. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't drink alcohol. Like every substance, I'm like, no. It. I had to have a procedure on my leg a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why I took the antibiotic, which I hadn't taken since I got sober, every time I'd be sick, I would just stick it through. And I think I was so afraid of being, you know, on drugs that if something had happened to me in the past, I probably would have been like, just let me die. Mm-hmm. So I had this procedure on my leg. And I didn't want to take the antibiotics, but my brother had the same situation on his leg and he almost died Mm. from it. And like, that's the only reason why I took it. So to me, I haven't really gone to the doctor as much as I probably should have. But as far as my body, like God kept me. Yeah, he definitely did. The only issues I have is just from eating too much. Like, maybe I could be diabetic, but I don't know. I mean, just because my mom is diabetic, my dad has high blood pressure, but, like, drug-related, 
No, other than what that K2 did where, you know, I have sometimes I can't sleep at night or um, just a little bit of anxiety or, mm-hmm. you know, I'll take that back. Sometimes when I get really nervous, when you take ecstasy, when it hits your, your bloodstream and you start to feel it, you get like bubble guts, you feel like you have to use the restroom, you get kind of hot and clammy. Sometimes when I get nervous now or if something happens that kind of startles me, mm-hmm. it's almost like a flashback of that drug. It's almost oh, like Oh, wow. That. Yeah. That feeling like takes that, you back to that uh, to a particular moment associated yeah. with that drug. Yeah. Wow. I know you talked about I think you said you was married twice. Yes. So, did they know your situation when you got married to them? Well, my first husband was five years younger than me. Okay. And he <laughs> he, he was one of my best friend's little brothers. And mm. he kind of knew me as, like, the stripper, the fun girl, the partier. So that's kind of how we linked up. But the only thing was um, he didn't know about the crack. I think I had kind of started to slow down on that. I was more just drinking and popping pills. Um, and dancing and he was fine with that because he he kind of found that you know fun and attractive oh was he doing it a little bit no he wasn't really no he's probably like more he used to be like a pothead okay but um the issue that I had with him mostly is when I went through the anxiety and the nervous breakdown and the suicidal stuff it's almost like I didn't feel like he he understood but it's like when you're so scared and you're dealing with anxiety and something you'll never understand unless you go through mm-hmm. it, it's like you really need someone to be there for you. And I feel like he used to make me feel bad because I wouldn't drink and because oh, I wouldn't yeah, so that was a dub. because I didn't You had to get rid of him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I still love him. I'm like, I, I'm, I'll always love him. But as far as my sanity, I just, I'll never put someone above my sobriety and my peace of mind so what about the second relationship second relationship he is actually 25 years older than me okay yes and um (laughs) he loves me to pieces um but the only thing about that I think um he kind of knows a little bit about what I've gone through and probably, you know, stuff that he hears me say and stuff like that, but... You haven't really told him? I mean, not, like, to his face, no, but he he listens to my shows, and so I know he knows, but I've never really told him because in my first marriage, he was so ashamed of the things I had done, and he would tell me, like, I don't want you... Because I started writing a book, and... I mean, I'm a pretty decent writer. I'm not a very, like, boastful person, but Mm -hmm. I'm a pretty good writer. And when I let him read it, he was like, I don't want people to know this about my wife. This is disgusting. Oh, we can't be together, then. Yeah, so I kind of This is you. This is your story. You have to share your story. Yeah. So we are... But you spoke about media, so I think this is the perfect time for you to inspire these listeners, because you definitely inspire me. You know, starting over isn't easy. Um, being addicted to drugs, prostitution, gang rape, homeless, stripping. How did you get to a point where you started over and now you are in media? 
Cause you getting laid off, getting laid off got me laid up for God's blessings. Yes. Cause you know, a lot of people say, you know, different horrible things that happen in our lives or a relationship that we want in. We just fight so hard tooth and nail for something, but God, God knows why. And so I got laid off. And so, um, did you always want to be a media? No, Mm. never, never, ever. Um, I actually used to have like, um, an issue with taking pictures Mm. and being out because I've done so many things in my past. It was kind of like, I didn't want nobody to see me. I just, I kind of hated myself. Mm -hmm. So to be out and like in front of a camera or shooting, filming radio, never in a million years, I went out with one of a girl that I met at Sephora because my husband was like out of town for business mm-hmm. and, and I went to Sephora and the girl who did my makeup we were just talking and we just totally hit it off and she was like well I'm going out tonight you want to go and I'm like okay cool my husband's out of town let's go don't never met this girl before so we went out and she was like you know you have a nice body and like I love your style and you're just different there's something about you Why don't you, you do seem walk? like you fun to be around though Yes, I'm a little goofy. Because <laughs> even at your pictures, I'm like, I see you. Like you, like you, like fun to like you're you're a good energy. I try, yes. But she was like, "Why don't you blog?" And I've heard that so for so long. Like I was always the one doing like mohawks and just strange things before anybody was doing it. And just something clicked. I was like, you know what? I don't know why I'm not doing it either. And that night, I went home. She took some pictures of me and like you know, coached me, like, turn to the side and do this and do that. And I saw him and I was like, wow. And I looked at those pictures and I just had so much confidence. And then I started, I started my blog. I thought of this, the the name and just started going with it. And I was doing interviews at a concert, um, filming, and the a radio station owner saw me doing the interviews. And I didn't even see him. And so he reached out to me and he was like, I want to give you your own radio show. And I'm okay. like, radio? I've never done radio. Like, thinking to myself, like, i never done radio. Who are you? I didn't even see you. How did you see me? And so I got my own radio show. And it basically is a platform for people to speak about how God has changed their lives. Mm. And so then That's I... That's amazing. What's crazy is the... The biggest brand that I linked up with that I've been with for probably the past year that's, you know, taught me the most and given me, like, the the hugest opportunities to make a difference working with women and stuff. I almost didn't even go to the event that I met these people at. And I went, and it's just amazing because I ended up going on their show, and it was probably one of the first times that I spoke about my past. And instead of pushing me away this person like pulled me closer Mm. and literally showed me how to turn my pain into purpose. So I've been able to speak in rehabs, Mm. um, prisons and places that I really could have been had I not, you know, woke up one day and just was sober. Right. Um, And so I just, honestly, what I do now is like, I used to let the fear stop me. Mm. I used to be like, I used to tell my friends, because you know everyone with social media, people want to travel, and I have a friend that just travels all over the world, 
and nobody knew I had this phobia of flying and being claustrophobic in a plane. Mm-hmm. And so I used to tell them, can we just go to like somewhere close that's, you know, um, a 30 minute flight? And they didn't understand why. And so this brand that I started working with, he was like, we need to go film in L.A. Um, we're going to do a documentary on Skid Row. And so I was like, OK, get the ticket. But even up until the day I packed my bags, even going to the airport, I'm still like, am I really going to get on this plane? And what <laughs> I changed, what I changed about my life is I just do it. I just do it. I don't let the fear stop me. I just come on, it. sis, drop the gems. Don't let the fear stop you. Seriously, that's what it is. People, they think it's like a it's momentum. Like when you get that first thought in your mind, whether it's you know, to not eat this food that you know is killing you or to stop smoking or stop dating this man or having sex with this person that you know is bad for you. It's when we justify it and rationalize it in our mind, that battle is lost in your mind first. So what I do is I don't even play with it. Like, I don't even say, you know what? I could go drink. I could just have one drink. I just don't even play with it. And if people could stop it before it even starts, Mm -hmm. before it gets somewhere then they could do anything. Word. And you're right. I feel like a lot of people put so much emotion behind the thought that you don't even, you don't even know how it's going to end up because you already pre-told yourself how it's going to be. Yep. So it's like, yo, oh just, just do it. Yeah. And negative, negative talk. When I was having, like, going through the nervous breakdown, I kept I would go to church like every day. If there was a service, a class, anything, I was there because I didn't want to go home. Like the littlest things would give me panic attacks. It was I was afraid to pray. It was just the the craziest stuff happening. And somebody at the church was like, you know, they told me Proverbs eighteen thirty one, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Mm. And I realized that all I was saying those days, you know, when I was going through that, is like. I'm going to die. I'm so scared. You know, you know, I can't breathe and I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm always going to be crazy. What's wrong with me? And I started to realize that I was creating it. by the Speaking words into existence. The tongue is the most my powerful weapon. Mind, yes. My mm. subconscious mind was hearing it and living it out. And once I realized that it's almost like, I hate to say like, fake it till you make it. But even times that I would think have a little sniffle, I would just tell myself, you're not sick. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, I rarely get sick just from that. I don't let it take over me and just be like, oh, I'm sick. The mind's a powerful like, tool. You know, very powerful. So let's get into some community service. I know you're really big on human trafficking and homeless women. Tell us a little bit about that. I think that's really amazing. So what I do now is we have workshops on Wednesdays where we work with women from one of our impact community impact partners. And this shelter houses women, but not only women dealing with addiction, but there's even a location that houses the mother that's going through addiction and her children up to like five kids in a rehab, which is like unheard of. Mm -hmm. And so they come to our, innovation impact center in the downtown area of our city and so we've taught them or we have social entrepreneurs that come and teach them how to make candles oh that's amazing sewing um flower arrangements to teach them financial literacy Mm. and confidence and just 
to see the women come in, you know, some of them are detoxing. Some of them are, you know, nodding off because they're on methadone and, and things like that. And just to see them come in and be like, make a, a, a purse. Mm-hmm. Make Something a different. Like, I don't know how to do that. And to see them turn their I can into I can is amazing. And That is amazing. Like, it really is. And then the thing that's the most powerful to me is not just like speaking in, in rehabs. It's like just regular people that I I feel like I don't want to say like I minister to them, but you do. I'm minister so Minister comes in different ways. So I think definitely what you're doing, you're definitely ministering to these people because you give people hope. If I was in your situation and I'm in the situation now and I'm looking at somebody that, that came through their situation, how can that not make me want to do better? It's all a part of God's plan. Yeah, like, God uses people, man. Like, I, You know who I else think is also very anointed? DMX. I think that man is so anointed. Really? Yes, because when you hear that man pray or when you hear him preach... Only certain people can pray and preach like that. That been through so much. So it's like if you if you have a person that's been through all this stuff, but here you are telling me that I'm gonna get through it. You got through it. You have a job in media. Like you still got your right state of mind. That is amazing. That's God. It really is. And not just that, the fact of how things lined up, like my first red carpet experience. My very first one, I interviewed Slim Thug, Bun B, Lisa Ray. Come on. That's like, crazy. My first red carpet experience. So it's I don't even say, like, I'm the best, I'm the greatest. No, God, literally, I've been able to see why Satan tried to hold me down. Mm-hmm. Because of what I'm doing now, I'm like, okay, that's why you wanted to destroy me. You wanted me not to want to leave my house. You try to keep me from traveling. Mm-hmm. You try to keep me. There was a point I was reading Joyce Meyer's Battlefield of the Mind, and I couldn't even get through it without having a panic attack because Satan had made me believe that praying is what was making me crazy. Mm-hmm. Like the the types of lies and stuff that he tells people, it's just amazing. It, it's amazing. It's the oldest trick in the book. It's fear. Oh yeah, he, that that is like that's his favorite, and it's so powerful. And I literally, every day is like a battle. And I know that there's so many it's people always dealing, a battle. With, mm-hmm. dealing with anxiety and depression and, and just negative. There's a woman that I spoke to recently and, and she was telling me how, um, you know, she feels like she's stupid and she can't. And she's like doing really good in her job and nice car. And I just hear some of the stuff that she says and it's like, People get so damaged growing up. You know, by the time we're five years old, we have a lot of our traits already. So if you grow up, you know, hearing you're stupid, you can't do anything right. Oh, this yeah. is a grown woman telling me this. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's just so hard to change that. And that's why they molding your, your mindset. Mm-hmm. Yep. So by the time you get to, let's say, what, 12 or uh, teenager years, your mind has already been molded to the fact that you are stupid. You're not good enough. You can't do this. So you got to undo all that damage <laughs> that yes. was done to you and be a teenager at the same time. That's a lot. 
And that's why so many women in our community or just people in general are battling these demons because these demons will put up on people. You weren't born yeah. with this stuff. People put this on you. But, exactly. but praying will get you far. I believe in it. You just got to stay prayed up, man. So I'm not really the best at <clears throat> promoting myself. So you say media. Okay. Um, another thing that I've been able to do, thanks to God, is I was... I've been published in two national magazines. Okay. Talk um, your shit now. <laughs> and so, um, and um, of course, many documentaries as well. Okay. But, uh, I also do Christian music. I do Christian hip hop. Um, I grew up playing, um, my father's a jazz musician, so he plays a lot of instruments. I play oboe, flute, piano, saxophone. So it's like in my blood to play music, but along with the drugs and everything else, that just went to the wayside. And it's like really interesting because there was a, a producer that came on when a show that we have, um, and he, I did a parody video, and he saw it and he was like, "I know you're trying to be funny, but he was like, you kind of got bars." And I'm like, "I talk so proper, like I never would see myself like a rapper. Are you kidding me?" And so, I mean, I'm about to drop my EP, and it's inspiring, and it's not pop, lock, and drop it, and it's something that I'm really proud of, and I feel like that, I feel like that's my purpose. I really do, because the opportunities that I've had, some people that are like, you know, I'll work with you, don't even worry about the money, like, it's all God. Nah, it's I'm really, God. I'm really proud of you, man. I'm really happy for you because you, I even heard the excitement in your voice. Like, really? no, I really can't. Like, and remind you, I never met my guest before, but like, I, I'm, I'm really when I hear these stories, like, it really makes me happy because I always want to provide a voice for women to share their story, so the next woman can be the better version of herself. Because a lot of people do feel like they're the only ones that's going through it. So, I mean, I really do believe you're gonna give people inspiration, man. Thank you. You have one last note. You have any regrets about anything? Any regrets? Mm-hmm. Not one. Okay. Not one because I mean, I've been asked that many times, but I always have to stop and think, you know, cuz over time things change. I don't have one regret because had I not gone through what I went through in life mm. I would not be the person that I am today I would not be able to help people like from experience mm-hmm. I would not have like humility understanding empathy I would just empathy for sure man I really I'm thankful for everything that I went through I feel like I was on assignment and that was yes, my purpose. sister. I know God knew where I was going to go and that people were going to listen to me and see his glory and as long as I try to keep everything to myself and be so ashamed I just felt God he put it in my spirit he was like where is my glory like you went through all these things I brought you out I woke you up one day you weren't even trying to like change I woke you up seven and a half years I've been sober and that's God that is literally God so there's no way I could just live my life and keep all that to myself. And I know that it's so many people out here hurting or they have people that are 
addicted or mental issues or sexual trauma or homeless like people see me and then they hear my story like the the first time I told my testimony in in like a public setting I was on a panel with other like powerful women and I'm like oh my god what am I even doing here like do I even belong Mm. and the way People looked at me, you know, I was dressed to the nine. Oh, yeah, you um, be dressed to the nine. I, I'm like, where's she going? <laughs> <laughs> I said, like, girl, don't be so, playing. She don't miss a step, baby. Hair is late. But unless I'm at home, girl, you don't want to, you know, the real me, okay? <laughs> so when I went, they were looking at me like, I feel like people, when they first see me, they kind of think like maybe I'm bougie mm-hmm. or, but. So after I told my testimony, their fate, like some people's mouths were open. Like, you know how you try and act like you're not shocked, but you could tell people are shocked? Mm -hmm. Because I You don't look like your story. I don't look like what I've been through. And that's only what, No matter what people go through, it is a reason for it. Even the bad things, like I would rather feel all the pain. I would rather feel all the heartbreak to feel nothing at all mm. I would rather feel everything and so that's my story and on that note guys if you have any questions comments concerns remarks you want to get in contact with my guests please email me at hello at the professional homegirl.com I swear I think this is literally one of my favorite episodes I hope that you all have been inspired and until next time everyone later Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home financing provided by victory mortgage llc nmls 461249 equal housing lender